Okay, we are continuing in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And this is a, a chapter where we're really, the, this second half of the book of Daniel, where we really get into prophecy. And we covered about half of this chapter last week. And let me just summarize it. So this is in 553 B.C. It's 14 years before the fall of Babylon. So Belshazzar is, is uh, king, actually second in the land at that time. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, his father, has placed him in that position. And uh, um, Daniel is about 65 to 67 years old at this point. And, and uh, just summarizing what we had read last time is that Daniel had a dream and visions while he was on his bed. He had a dream and then visions occur when you're awake, dreams when you're asleep. And he saw this vision and this vision is an extension of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had had in Daniel chapter 2 uh, uh, when, he started, when he started mentioning his dream. Nebuchadnezzar looking at this statue. This is again speaking of the future of the kingdoms that are going to come. And what we're going to find is in the book of Daniel, this is first given to Nebuchadnezzar, then it's, and Daniel interprets it, then Daniel gets, gets hold of this, and more insight is given as, as to what's going to happen. And then as we get further into the book of Daniel, more and more insight is going to be given. And then the, the, the later scriptures, particularly the book of Revelation, will give us more insight into the future things that are predicted by the Bible, the things that are prophesied concerning uh, uh, these things. And so in, in summary, there was a lion, and that lion had wings, and it symbolized symbolized Babylon, and then it was made to stand on two feet, signifying that indeed Nebuchadnezzar came to the Lord and he was given indeed the heart of a man, and the mind of a man, because he got saved. And then came Medo-Persia, this, 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 uh, uh, non, this non-symmetrical kingdom where the Medes were inferior to the Persians, and uh, that was represented by a bear and then the three ribs, the three lands that they had ultimately taken. Again, this is all happening before Medo-Persia even took over. This is prophesied. And then after them, you have the Hellenistic time where Alexander the Great conquered very quickly like a leopard. And then that was divided into four kingdoms. This is being prophesied in the Daniel's time, but we've seen this now pass in history. It was given to four of his generals, divided between them. And then we enter into a period of ten kings, where well, we enter into the Roman period, this iron period, and that's extended into where we are today. That will eventually go to ten kings. What's going to happen is there's going to be a world order of ten kings, then, and that world order will start before the tribulation and move right on into halfway through the tribulation. And so I'm giving you insight from the rest of the book of Daniel so you'll have a picture of this. And then... Halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist will arise, and the Antichrist is a man, and uh, uh, the Antichrist will arise halfway into the tribulation period. There are many things that happen, and then after that three and a half years of the Antichrist reign, then uh, the Lord Jesus will return. Many things that have to happen before his return. So to say he's going to return today, it can't happen. It can't happen because there's many things that are prophesied that have to take place before his return. What can happen at any moment is the rapture, the taking of the believers. There's no preconditions for the rapture. 
There are preconditions and things that have to happen before the second coming. And this is specifically why Jesus said that the signs are there so as to give us that understanding. So, what we're going to do is we're going to start reading from verse 9. I kept looking until the thrones were set up. This is Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. And his throne was ablaze with with flames. Its wheels were, were burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The, the court sat and the books were opened. Okay, so remember we covered this last time as well. This is now at the judgment. This is going to be the judgment period, the judgment of the Gentiles. This is talked about in Matthew chapter 25. We've covered that before. It's the Ancient of Days. This is God the Father. And there's these burning, the, the, these wheels of burning fire. Ezekiel talks about that. Ezekiel is a, is, a, is a contemporary with Daniel. Ezekiel is speaking to the Jews in the diaspora in Babylon. Daniel is in, in, in the upper, upper wings of the government in Babylon. And Jeremiah is speaking to the Jews that are remnant that are left in Jerusalem. And then this this is speaking of of the judgment that's going to take place. The thousands upon thousands are the angels that are attending him. And the myriads that are standing before him are the ones that are going to be judged in the white throne judgment. It says, Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appropriate period of time. So the bottom line, the way it all ends is that the the enemy will be defeated. The Antichrist will be defeated. And, and, And by whom? It tells us in verse 13, And I kept looking in a night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So in the end, all power is going to be given to the Lord Jesus. He is the Son of Man, and we looked last time, the references to him being the Son of Man that is talked about here, coming in the clouds. Jesus wins in the end. Remember that. As difficult as life gets, remember that. Jesus wins in the end. The new the atheist movement, movement will keep saying there is no explanation for suffering. There is no explanation for suffering. But they don't offer an explanation for suffering themselves. But what they do is they remove all hope. What we have is we have hope. We have hope in the midst of suffering. That the Lord wins in the end. So what we see is, is exactly what's talked about in verse 1 and 2 of this chapter. This is a summary of the vision. Now Daniel doesn't understand it and he wants more information. Now we're going to get pieces of this filled in throughout the rest of this chapter, throughout the rest of this book, and then throughout the rest of the Bible, pieces are filled in. This is the way the, the Lord works. He gives revelation and then... Later, he gives more and more revelation throughout the Word of God. And this is talked a lot about in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 17. You see references to the same features of animals, but more is brought in. 
Verse 15, As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. His spirit is distressed within him. This is like a sword in a sheath. This is uh, uh, within me. This is this, the analogy, the, the actual words there, if you look at the literal translations, are like a sword in a sheath. He was, it was just he was just distressed within his body. And it was alarming him. These were very vivid. Then he says, And I approached one of those who were standing by and began to ask him the exact meaning of all this. So remember, Daniel had given the interpretation to King Nebuchadnezzar. An angel is now going to give an interpretation to Daniel. So he approaches one of these thousands upon thousands of angels that are, are tending here, and he's asking him. He wanted some more information. He wanted the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Verse 17 of Daniel chapter 7. These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings which will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. So again, this angel is summarizing him. And really, this is a very short summary by this angel. This angel is kind of busy, you know, dealing with all the stuff that has to go on. And, you know, Daniel's asking him questions. So he gives him a, a two-sentence summary. He says, oh, the four beasts, those are four kingdoms. And the saints of the highest one are going to receive the kingdom. Okay? You satisfied? There's so much more detail there. All of that is true, what the angel said. But now there's so much detail that the angel did not reveal. Then I desired, in verse 19, then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. So now he wanted more which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, and its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up, and before which three of them fell, namely the horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, which was larger in appearance than its associates. So he wanted more. So the angel tells him, gives him a very short summary, he says like, not enough. Tell me more. And he says, I want to know about this fourth beast, this fourth beast that came in and killed the other three beasts, and then came in and, and, and they took over the other three beasts, and then there were these ten horns, and it came up as a little horn, it started speaking these great boasts, and three of the ten horns fell before this little horn that came up and then dominated. And so this is ten, actually as we're going to see, these are ten kings that are going to arise there will be dominance throughout the entire earth of ten kings, a one-world government of ten kings. Those ten kings, three of them are going to be defeated by the Antichrist. The Antichrist will take over from those ten kings halfway through the seven-year tribulation period. So again, I'm giving you insight because I've read ahead. read ahead in the Bible. So I know what's going to happen. So I'm filling it in for you or else you'll be like Daniel, just kind of lost here. Verse 21, I kept looking. And the horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Now this is a new twist. We never saw this in Nebuchadnezzar's dream and we never saw it till this point here. And the angel never told him about this. He said, he said that, that uh, the, the Son of Man is going to win 
and and it's going to be turned over to the saints to to help him help him uh, uh, administer in this kingdom. He skipped the part where the saints are going to suffer. This is the elect of God, those who love God. There's always a remnant. In the time of Elijah, there was one to two million people in Israel. There were 7,000 that were the remnant, 7,000 that really believed. The Lord told Elijah there are 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. There is always a remnant. There is a remnant among the Jews that are believing Jews that really believe. Among Christians, there is a subset among those who will say that they're Christians that really take hold of the truths of Christ, who really want to walk in this. This is speaking of the saints. And he says, so the angel gave him a really quick summary. He never mentioned even the suffering of the saints. He says, don't worry, the Son of Man's going to win and the saints will, will, will reign with him. It's like he's speaking to a little kid. He doesn't want to give him all the gory details. Daniel said he kept looking and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Overpowering them. And I looked up the actual meaning of that word overpowering them and it's overpowering them. He he won. The Antichrist overpowers the saints. He wins. For a certain time period, he wins. Many of them are going to die. He overpowers them until the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the Highest One. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Everything that Daniel had known to this point was that Daniel was in a place and God delivered him. Daniel's three friends were thrown, were, were, were thrown into a fire. God delivered him. Everything that Daniel had known, he had been delivered. But now, at this point, we're all of a sudden hit with new information. And this is shocking to Daniel. You mean I'm going to have to suffer? You mean there's real suffering for the saints of God? Verse verse, uh, 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different. So, So, this is again the angel now speaking. Daniel wanted more insight, so now it says, Thus he said, so the angel's telling him, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. So this is this fourth kingdom, the kingdom that has ten kings, is going to dominate the earth. The earth was given to Nebuchadnezzar. The scriptures say so, but he never took it all. He could have had it all. He never took it all. The Persians could have had it all. They never took it all. These ten kings are going to dominate the whole earth. We've never seen that. That's not happened to this point in human history. That's something that's going to take place. There are going to be ten kings that will arise. And and another in in, in verse 24, and the ten horns out of the, the kingdom... Out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and he will subdue three of the kings. So you've got ten kings, three of them are going to be subdued by this new king that comes up. The other seven kings are just going to say, okay, you, you know, you, you, you kill those three, just leave us alone, and he is going to be the one that dominates. That happens halfway through the tribulation period. He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One. He will wear them down. Again, I looked this up to see what this really means and it says that He is going to dominate them. There is a period where the saints will be dominated by the Antichrist. And He will intend to make alterations in times and in law. 
and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. That is a three and a half year period. In the book of Revelation, in, in, in chapter 11, it talks about how, how it's going to be. It gives it in months, and then it gives it in days. It is a three and a half year period that this is going to occur. So it's a time is a year, times is two years, and half a time is half a year. So for three and a half years, this is going to happen. Again, he is now underscoring that the saints will suffer. But the court will sit for judgment, and dominion will be taken away, annihilated and destroyed forever. His dominion will be taken away, annihilated and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the peoples of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion will serve and obey Him. That's the end. The picture of the end is Jesus wins, and His saints reign with Him. That's the end. But before you get to the end, there's a lot that happens. In our lives, there's a lot that happens. At this point, the revelation ended. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming me and my face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. This took a lot out of Daniel. This was huge in his life. Now let's turn to the, the book of, of uh, Second Thessalonians because Paul takes the imagery out for us. So we'll go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul is trying to comfort the people and what he does is he reveals to us what's happening without any imagery. If you look in the book of Revelation which comes after 2 Thessalonians, you will see more detail but it's masked in imagery. Here, Paul is taking away the mask of, of, of metaphors and he's speaking specifically. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter, as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So there was a rumor going around in the Thessalonian church that the Lord had already come, that the kingdom had been established. And people were like, I missed this. Paul is saying, relax, there's many things that have to take place. Just what I'm telling you, there's many things that have to take place before his second coming. And that's what Paul is telling them. He says, let, in verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, is, it, it will not come unless the uh, uh, apostasy comes first. So Paul says, it's not going to happen until some other things happen first. Exactly what I told you. Some things are going to happen. There are things that have to happen before His second coming. The rapture can happen at any instant. But the Lord's second coming has to be predated by several things. This is what He's telling them. He says, The apostasy comes first, and the man of, lost, of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will re be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who, n who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then 
That lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So what he's saying is Satan himself is going to empower somebody. It's not a beast. It's not an animal. It is a man. He says it that, that um, uh, he, he speaks about that it is a man that is going to do this. And he says very specifically that who opposes in verse 4, who opposes and exalt. In, 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 I'm sorry, let's read in verse 3. The son of destruction, or, or, or further up in verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the, the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. This is the Antichrist. It is a man. It is not a, an animal. He is the son of destruction. He is going to set himself up and he's going to be in the temple of God displaying himself as being God. We learn, learn from Revelation that three and a half years into the seven year period of the tribulation period, the Antichrist will first make an agreement with the Jewish nation. And then after three and a half years, he will walk into the temple. The temple will re be rebuilt on the temple mount. That's how you know this can't happen because... There is no temple there right now. There's actually a mosque there on the temple mount. He is going to seat himself there and he is going to proclaim that he is God. He is going to put an end to the sacrifices, it tells us in the book of Revelation. He is going to change the law, the order on, which, on how they make sacrifices. This is the lawlessness that's going to come in. It's at that point that the Jewish nation was split from him and have nothing to do with him and then great persecution will come upon the Jewish believers, those who believe that, that indeed that, that this is not, not the one that they're going to follow. They're going to wait for this Messiah. Great tribulation will occur upon them, as, to, uh, uh, as well as many others in that time. As where are the saints? The saints have already actually been raptured. The saints have already been raptured. But there will be other saints among the Gentiles who get saved after the rapture. Many, many of them are going to get saved after that rapture. And it's going to be attacking them as well. This is what he's making reference to. This is there without the imagery. But the key is that Jesus wins in the end. Then he talks about how Satan, the work of Satan, is already at work. In, in verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed. The Antichrist has not yet been revealed. But the work of Satan is very real and continuing on in this world. And there are things that will hit you, things that will attack. I want you to look, look in, in, in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And this is after Jesus has risen from the dead in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to start reading from, uh, we're going to read verse 26. So Jesus has risen from the dead. He is now walking around on the earth. This is the road to Emmaus. And this is what Jesus Christ says to some of his disciples who don't recognize him. He says in verse, in verse 26 actually, he says, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Was it not necessary 
for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory. Before glory comes suffering. Before glory comes suffering. Every one of us will experience suffering in our life and to different magnitudes, to different orders. I don't know what God has for you. I don't know what you've been through or what you will be through. Some of you have been through great suffering already in your life and others have been through quite cloistered and comfortable environments growing up. But there will be times of suffering. The Bible says all those who desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. All those who desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. He says, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? Wasn't it necessary? It was necessary. Jesus looked at them and because they're all bewildered. Look, He was crucified. Our Master was crucified. He was buried. And people are talking about He's raised from the dead. And Jesus like, wasn't it necessary for Him to suffer? Jesus accepts His suffering. He had just had all the sins in all the world that anyone ever committed heaped upon Him. And He bore that on the cross. And He says, this was necessary. I'm okay with this. This is exactly the prescribed order. Now look in Philippians chapter 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1. And in Philippians chapter 1, we're going to, start, we're going to read in verse, in verse uh, uh, 29. It takes it out of Jesus and in, into our world. Philippians 1.29 For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. For you. To you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. It has been granted for you to suffer for His sake. So when trials come upon you in life, they'll go, what's happening? I'm a Christian. This is supposed to happen. This is what happens. These are the things that happen. It's been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. This is what's going to happen. You're going to suffer for His sake. This is what he's talking about. I was just, just uh, uh, some missionaries. The, the young man was in this class. 15 years ago, and, and uh, he finished, he, he, he was a uh, medical student at Baylor. And then when he finished his degree here, the Air Force had paid for his education, and so he owed them like seven years. So he was this indentured servant, being a physician for the Air Force for seven years. And that was after he had gone to school, after he had done his residency. I think he was in ophthalmology. So, you know, it was this long residency and fellowship period. Then he served in the Air Force all those years. And now he's free. So him and his wife are going to the mission field. So they are now in training and they are going to Burundi, which is this little country in Africa. In Africa, right? Burundi's in Africa, isn't it? It's this little landlocked country there. And, but he's in training right now in Europe and he has seven children. I mean, he and his wife have been quite productive. And he has, he has seven children. And all seven of these children are now in Europe. And he was writing to me and he said, you know, we have, so many of us have been sick 
there's never been a day where the two of us, meaning he and his wife, could go to the classes together as they're going through this, this ministry training in Europe, preparing them to go to Burundi. I mean, the guys, they sold everything, and they're building this little house in Burundi, in this, what looks to me like a jungle, uh, where they're building this, because he sent me these pictures. And what he's going through, but he wasn't complaining at all. And I just sent him these verses. For to you it's been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. These words, come, suffer. This is what has put on fire young people throughout history. Come and suffer for me, Jesus says. This is what's before us. This is what's before you as young people. You want to follow Jesus? Come and suffer. You want to serve Jesus? Come and suffer. And so many young people have taken this banner, fearlessly taken this banner and said, bring it on. If there's suffering in Christ, I will take this banner and I will carry it. You will not always be embraced and accepted for your belief in Christ. You will not always be be endearing to people by telling them the gospel. They will want to dismiss you. They will want to discount you. And they will speak evil things against you. There will be character assassinations. They will do things to hurt your career. They will keep you from advancement in certain ways. But there is suffering. You go on the mission field, the suffering can be far more vivid. Can be far more real. But remember these words. To you it has been granted, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Come and suffer for Him. You want to follow Him? There is suffering involved. And this is what was revealed to Daniel. What was revealed to him is that there's a suffering that comes. The saints will suffer. And they will overcome. In the end, they will overcome. But they will be overcome by the Antichrist. Not all saints live. Many, many believers die around the world. We just don't see it. We may see people's careers get hurt, but we are not seeing it with our eyes. But today, in the world today, many, many Christians are losing their lives because they will not deny Christ. Come and suffer for Him. I don't know what the Lord has for you in the future. In 15 years, some of you will be out on the mission field. We have many from this class that have gone out into the mission field. Many from this class. We have one young lady, she's, she's in Pakistan in a region of Pakistan, serving as a physician in Pakistan, in an area where there are no believers, up in the mountains of Pakistan. I mean, it's not a very nice area there. There's Al-Qaeda moving all around there. And she's a single woman, fearless, all alone. And she came out of this class. She is not afraid to take this. And she learned, she, she went from here to Baylor, became a physician, and, and uh, had a specialty, and there she is, serving. This is what happens. People give their lives. We had a a physical therapist. She went to Africa, to the Sudan. And and, uh, um, uh, she she eventually had to leave because of a a revolution that was going on. And then she went to another country. Now they're back back in, 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 uh, in, in another country in Africa, serving. And she has four kids. She found her husband on the mission field. This is, this is where she found her husband. They were like-minded. He's American and she found him on the mission field. But she was going to serve. There was another young lady who came and, and she wanted to go to the Sudan. She got to the Sudan. No sooner had she gotten there, there was a revolution. 
and she had to move to another country, no sooner had she gotten there, there was a revolution. Everywhere she went, there was a revolution. I mean, the poor girl was being tossed around and running for her life to get on a flight to get out of there. And she'd go to another country and there'd be a revolution. I met up with her in Israel. And, and uh, uh, the, day we, the day I left Israel, she had just come a couple of days before that. And riots started all throughout Jerusalem. When she got there, I said, wherever you go, there's trouble. And this, this girl probably weighs 110 pounds. I mean, there, was, there wasn't much physically there. But you saw what God was doing in her life. Come and suffer for His name. Come and suffer for His sake. This is Christian life. All those who desire to walk godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Be not bewildered. Be not dismayed when things come upon you. Be not dismayed. This is what the Christian life has. This is what shook Daniel. All of a sudden, he sees the saints. He's going to wear down the saints. It's not just, you know, boom, their head's cut off. He wears them down. There's a period he wears them down. And then they're overcome after being worn down for a long time. This is Christian life. You didn't realize what you signed on to, did you? This is Christian life. Come and suffer for Him. It, to you it has been granted for Christ's sake. This is a gift. With that gift. To believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. This is what has been granted you. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. And You have a great place for many of these young people. Lord, I don't know the suffering that they will undergo. I don't know how many of them here will give up their lives for the sake of Christ. But Lord, we come. We come. And Lord, as they contemplate what the future has, may they take hold of this truth that they have been granted to suffer for His name so that they would not be dismayed, they would not be bewildered, but Father, that in the end they will win. In the end, Jesus will win and they will reign with Him. May they remain faithful. Take these young people, I pray, Abba Father. May they remain faithful. Father, I pray that You put upon their hearts to walk as believers in the presence and in the places that You have for them. Father, may they walk as believers. Take many of them. Set them and establish them on the mission field, I pray. Take many of them and use them here in the U.S., ministering the life of Christ as they undergo character assassinations and, and they miss promotions because of their testimony of Jesus. May they remain strong and be not be, may they not be bewildered. May they not be discouraged or dismayed, but just realize this is exactly what was foretold. Exactly what was foretold. Father, may they be strong in You. Father, I pray for those here who do not know You. In the name of Jesus, I pray Thee, O Lord, that You would work in their lives to draw them to Jesus. That You would work in their lives to spare them from that great white throne judgment. Spare them, I pray. Father, work in their lives. Lord, thank You for the prophecy. Thank You for the truth. And Lord, I pray that when attack comes and they are worn down, may they be like Daniel, get up and get about their work. Father, continue their work, continuing their labors. May they persist right on to the end. The glory of God in their lives, I pray.
Amen.